From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers co-hosted by Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and I'm Dr. Rowley Nadler. We are your leadership development coaches, and between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of executives to perform in the top 10%. And today's show features Lieutenant Don Kester. We're going to learn about um, leadership and crisis management that Don's going to tell us about, and what does it take to be a leader in today's complex, crisis-driven society where traits like diplomacy and safety are key to all well-being, all our well-being at work and at home. And we're going to go through more of a uh, bio of Donna in a couple minutes. But what I wanted to let you know is that Kathy and I always try to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and we always try to provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. And Kathy, welcome to the call. Hi, Riley. Thanks a lot. And I just want to say hello to uh, Lieutenant Don Kester. Are you with us? I am. Good morning. Oh, great. Just hang on a few more minutes, and we're going to just tell our audience, uh, Don, a little bit about the kinds of things that they'll learn in each and every one of our shows, and we certainly hope you'll be sharing our shows with SWAT as well. But Riley and I love to help organizations really understand that leaders are the heartbeat of your company. Uh, but as you know, most leaders can underestimate just how much influence they do have over others, and sometimes, well, as a result, they can underperform. But doing just a few things differently can really dramatically improve both your performance and your organization. And what you'll learn in each and every one of our programs is something about how to develop leaders in your company, what happy companies know about performance, a little bit about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies, how to contribute to top performance through neuroscience, generation and gender differences, and work-life balance practices. We also like to help you learn some strategies for managing your boss. And some of the things we'll talk about today, um, actually, with Lieutenant Kester, are focused on how self-management tools, self-management tools help you to be your best. Believe it or not, I think what Don will tell, tell us today is how SWAT team members have to be really, really, really good about not only self-assessment, but managing others around them. So we're going to talk about that plus many more tools and tips. But before we do, Relly, maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of the statistics and data around leadership that I think Lieutenant Don Kester will give us examples of with his uh, SWAT organization. Sure, Kathy, that'll be, that'll be fine. And why do we talk about uh, leaders and leadership. Well, the reason is leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. And one of the reasons is emotions are contagious. We like to say that the leaders are the emotional thermostat for their team. And the key to being a star performer, as we define as someone in the top 10%, is usually this concept of emotional intelligence. And if you look at technical expertise and you look uh, at IQ, Usually emotional intelligence of those three is the most important one for success. 
And if you can get people into the top 10%, well, they're twice as valuable to the organization. They produce twice as much uh, revenue as leaders in the 11th to the 89th percentile. And also, Kathy and I are, are certified coaches, and we know training helps in productivity, but if you can add uh, coaching to training, you can get about an 88% bump in productivity, where training alone is about 22%. And both Kathy and I bring coaching into organizations, and just bringing a coaching network into your organization can really help productivity. So for more information about uh, Kathy, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com for her free tools and articles and our happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, uh, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in more information from me, Dr. Riley Nadler, uh, my website is www.truenorthleadership for a free emotional intelligence assessment, books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camp. And then, Kathy, how do you like to... Tell our audience about uh, Dr. Uh, Lieutenant Don Kester. Well, thanks, Riley. I would love to tell our audience about Lieutenant Don Kester. He is a, a remarkable human being. I was fortunate enough to meet him. Uh, we were actually introduced by our former U.S. Surgeon General, Rich Carmona. I came out to Tucson about five years ago doing some leadership training for Second Recon Forces Marines as well as a number of other leadership organizations out here in Canyon Ranch. And uh, I was delightfully introduced to Lieutenant Kester. And um, Don was just such a sweet guy, surprised the heck out of me. He's probably giggling to himself. But uh, he actually asked me if I would be so kind as to introduce my concepts from what happy companies know to his senior staff. And I'll let him talk to you a little bit more about that. But it included both SWAT leaders, sergeants, lieutenants, uh, captains, and commanders in the area. But um, before I get off track, let me tell you a little bit about this remarkable human being. Lieutenant Don Kester is currently a SWAT tactical response commander after having served as a SWAT team operator. He's the team leader and team supervisor in one of the largest U.S. border zones, Tucson, Arizona. Lieutenant Kester has served as a patrol district commander, as the department's training director, and is certified as an instructor by the FBI, and a master instructor for TASER International. And we'll have Don talk to you a little bit about what TASER, um, what TASER is and how it influences his work. He's also a firearms, defensive tactics, and use of force instructor, and both teaches and publishes on the subjects of tactical specialties like rapid deployment, hostage rescue, incident command, and leadership. So today we're going to learn how SWAT develops leaders for uncertain times in today's program. So welcome, Lieutenant Don Kester. Good morning, Kathy. Well, that was a mouthful. <laughs> well, that was quite an introduction. Uh, thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. So, uh, Don, maybe just to start off our audience, what, what does SWAT stand for? And then we always like to begin our show telling us a little bit about kind of what influenced you uh, in your career as being a leader. So, what, so first of all, what is SWAT, for folks who don't know, what does that stand for? SWAT stands for Special Weapons and Tactics, and uh, SWAT started in the L.A. area in the late 60s and has expanded throughout the country and around the world and uh, is a very popular concept among law enforcement agencies. And SWAT teams basically handle the highest risk uh, critical incidents that occur in law enforcement. As we like to say sometimes, uh, 
uh, when the cops need assistance or need help, then they call the SWAT teams. Mm-hmm. So it's really the special forces units of the law enforcement community. And, and uh, Don, would it be fair to say that what we see a lot of on television when we see the guys in the black uniform show up at the most, um, I guess, kind of uh, dramatic scenes with their, uh, you know, their AKs and their rifles, you know, kind of out in front of them, those are the SWAT guys. Those are the SWAT guys on a uh, with a Hollywood touch, certainly. <laughs> okay, good, excellent. So, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what, who influenced you uh, as a leader, um, and what were maybe some of their influences? And then we'll get into some of the more of the specifics about SWAT teams. Absolutely. Uh, my father actually had a very influential leadership impact on me from a very early age, and while that's certainly not unique for many people. It it seemed a little bit strange to me because my dad did not talk very much. He was a very quiet man, but he did teach me through his actions the value of hard work and commitment, and he let his expectations of me be known through his actions, even though he very rarely used words. Hmm. Um, I witnessed uh, how his peers and his subordinates at his work viewed him with respect and admiration, and that really had a big impact on me uh, from a personal standpoint. Professionally, there have been numerous people, mostly in the SWAT arena, uh, who have worked with me or guided me in the area of leadership. I was lucky enough uh, to get introduced or have the opportunity to work with influential SWAT leaders from around the country uh, through my capacity with the National Tactical Officers Association. And that allowed me a chance to create relationships that to this day have a significant impact on my thoughts on leadership. And we're always bouncing ideas off of each other. And, of course, my fellow team members uh, that I have, who I've worked with throughout the years and continue to work with, uh, they always provide me with uh, leadership knowledge and influences and uh, challenges as well. So really a, a broad variety of individuals have impacted me. Really, one of the things that has always impressed me about Lieutenant Kester, and I've known him now for about four years, um, is his humility, as you can hear even in his voice. He's a very humble individual. And I think that uh, as we talk about the leadership qualities in a SWAT team, we will probably uh, think about uh, people who are very ego-based and kind of macho and people who might be more, if you will, kind of military in their mental model. And I think as you'll hear just in listening to uh, Lieutenant Kester, um, that is that is in fact not what they need when they're in uh, stressful situations dealing with the public, and that in fact diplomacy and uh, incident management is really uh, what's needed. So I think um, Don, if if we can move on a little bit in our questions, maybe given what I experienced with you uh, at your annual meeting, tell us a little bit about your career and and how you're developing leadership qualities in the SWAT teams that you personally are responsible for. I started my career as a patrol deputy, just like many other law enforcement officers. Uh, I have worked a lot in training, and I joined SWAT pretty early in my career after going through their uh, selection process. Joining SWAT was probably the best and most influential decision of my career. Uh, That's really what got me introduced to the concept of leadership, both good and bad, and it got me focused on the particular topic of leadership. I was eventually promoted uh, to the rank of sergeant, and I was our full-time SWAT team supervisor for several years and then was promoted to my current rank of lieutenant, which has allowed me the privilege of serving as the SWAT commander since then. Uh, On our SWAT team, 
we develop leadership qualities through a multi-pronged approach, beginning with an understanding of what is expected of them as SWAT operators. Uh, these are not necessarily written expectations, uh, although some of them are, but most of them are not written expectations as much as in the business world, perhaps, but they are critical to the success of the person and the team. Uh, my belief is that I, if, you know, if I don't have expectations of these SWAT operators, many of them will simply go on cruise control and not push themselves or push the envelope of their leadership abilities. Now, that's not necessarily a huge issue on SWAT because these individuals have the inherent drive to produce top quality results, uh, which is why they're on SWAT in the first place. But we still do have to keep them focused, and uh, we have to keep them focused on the little things that are not necessarily visible. And I personally focus on what I refer to as AED, or Attitude, Energy, and Desire. And in order to be an effective and true leader, it's my belief that you must focus on these three areas all the time, in addition to obviously many other attributes. Uh, an effective leader has to maintain a positive attitude and try to minimize those fluctuations in attitude that we are obviously all susceptible to. And of course, you know, it, I don't care what anybody says, it takes a lot of energy to be an effective leader. And that's why many people really don't want to be effective leaders or they don't become effective leaders, is because they don't want to put forth the effort which requires that energy. And then the D part of that is the desire. Uh, people have to desire to be an effective leader, in my opinion, and many people simply don't want the pressure or the risk that is associated with that. And, uh, I think you have to you have to strive and have a burning desire to be effective. And uh, anybody who's not doing that, in my mind, really, I wouldn't use the term leader with them in that case anyways. Well, Don, I'm going to ask you to just pause on that thought of attitude, energy, and desire. We're going to go to break, and we'll come right back. This is Leadership Development News. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. 
Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Homeowners, real estate investors, bankers, listen up and tune in to Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight, the show that breaks it all down and gives it to you straight. Are you at risk of foreclosure? Interested in buying a foreclosed property? Mark Bull has the answers to the questions you might forget to ask. Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight broadcast live on the Voice America Business Channel Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific. You can't afford not to tune in. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with uh, Lieutenant Don Kester, a SWAT commander. And before the uh, break, you were talking about the key attributes, which we'll get more into, attitude, energy, and desire. But, Don, maybe you can tell us first, uh, how does someone get in, invited to be a SWAT member? Is, what's the criteria? Well, each team is slightly different, but they're generally uh, about the same with regards to uh, requirements to apply for a SWAT team, they have to be on the department for a certain number of years, and then they, uh, it, the, the process is advertised, and they submit a resume and an interest memo, and then they go through the selection process, uh, which includes decision-making skills, firearm skills, uh, physical fitness, uh, reviews with their uh, supervisors, and, of course, if they are lucky enough to make it to an oral board interview, uh, that is a very in-depth uh, interview, and um, there's some subjectivity to it as well as the obvious pass-fail uh, criteria. But it's very difficult to do and get through, and we, we don't look for SWAT people, and we don't test them on SWAT abilities. We look for the best uh, street officers, the best people who make the best decisions out there uh, while they're responding to calls and assisting people. And those people usually are the ones that have the most success when they come on to SWAT. So um, and thinking about that, we want to talk a little bit more about some of these emotional intelligence uh, competencies and, and maybe bring in the link of how that relates to decision-making, uh, especially under the um, 
crisis management, when emotions are flying, and Kathy and I have talked about this in the past, it's really easy to get hijacked, an emotional hijack. Sometimes I talk about the amygdala hijack, part of your brain that just freezes up to fight or flight. Um, how do you develop some of these emotional intelligence uh, competencies in, in SWAT members? Do you test for it? And then maybe we can talk about what, how do you do to, what do you do to raise it? Absolutely. We really start off by making very clear expectations of our SWAT team members. Once those expectations are, are made clear, then we, we train and we train and we train and we put them in positions to perform up to those levels of expectations. Now, we understand that we have to accept mistakes in training uh, so that our personnel learn from those mistakes. And if we're not willing to accept those mistakes, then, you know, our, our SWAT operators are not going to take any risk and they're not going to make many decisions. And if they don't do that, then they're not going to grow very much in their emotional intelligence. And unfortunately, law enforcement doesn't have a lot of leadership development training until you get to the higher ranks. But you do clearly see leadership development within SWAT teams. In fact, on my particular team, uh, the expectation is that they will develop into a leader and obviously there are varying degrees of that, but they are going to have to develop their leadership capabilities or it's going to be difficult for them to succeed. On a SWAT team, we're very open about any issues or concerns, and we hold our people very accountable. And, you know, SWAT is mostly type A personalities, and, and they're take-charge individuals with very strong opinions. So we have to teach them to balance those attributes as well, along with the other characteristics that come along with that emotional intelligence. Um, in addition to mentoring those team members, I personally will will meet with individuals on a one-on-one -on -one basis on a regular uh, schedule, um, and that's simply to re reiterate my expectations, provide them feedback, give them suggestions on how to get to the next point in their SWAT career. Uh, it lets them know that I do care, uh, but more importantly, it reminds them that that they are going to get pushed and they will be uh, getting the guidance that they need to keep them on track. Um, emotional intelligence, in my opinion, for a SWAT team is critical because these individuals are obviously making life-saving decisions. Uh, they have to be emotionally stable, confident, uh, trustworthy. Uh, they have to have self-control. Uh, Self-initiative is a big thing we look for and many other qualities uh, as well. Um, but at the same time, they have to be empathetic and they have to work as a team. You know, one second they might be breaching a door, going in on a hostage rescue, and the next second they are encountering a victim or a suspect, and they have to follow very stringent constitutional guidelines. So some of those actions are somewhat conflicting, mm. and keeping control of the emotions and the adrenaline are very important self-discipline attributes that we look for and prepare them with. Um, you know, something like that is just normal business for a SWAT operator, uh, but they understand that they are always representing SWAT, whether it's on duty or off duty, and, and we emphasize how the team comes first. And lastly, we utilize scenarios and repetition uh, to get that intelligence-driven uh, uh, task across to them. Uh, we place them in various roles, and we force them to justify every single action they take. You know, they're forced to learn and they're forced to grow, and we really see what we call the evolution of a SWAT operator. And it takes years from when they first come on to when they become a senior operator. But it's, it's very rewarding watching these operators progress from when they first come on 
to when they're senior operators, and now they're teaching the guys uh, who are coming on after them. Uh, so it's it's a very set uh, uh, guideline that we have, um, and everybody responds to it differently, but it's something that we take very seriously in the SWAT community. Don, um, when you are, were talking about the exercises and scenarios, now I have... I have been privileged to uh, to be at the U.S. Army War College for some of their exercises that they do with their generals, and we're going to talk about that in one of our upcoming shows with uh, Colonel Tom Williams. But I've also um, had the uh, the good fortune of going down to the training academy and watching these guys run scenarios. Can you talk a little bit about um, what those scenarios might be, um, how you set them up for optimal emotional intelligence decisions, and um, and and what what they might be facing if uh, if you could kind of architect that for a listener. Sure, Kathy. We do a variety of, of uh, scenarios. Uh, they might it might be a hostage rescue scenario or practicing warrant services or a barricade subject. Any number of things, and we coordinate that with other units throughout the department and with other agencies as well. Uh, we involve the, the citizens and the community in some of those scenarios. But what we do is we we put our operators in positions that they might not normally be in to force them to make some decisions, to force them to see what their supervisors might be thinking about at the at the next call. And it really broadens their horizons. And, of course, we want to get that repetition in so that they're doing uh, their tasks over and over and over so that they get very good at those. But we want to, we want to make them as well-rounded as we can. So while I'm there at the scenario... I may not play the role of the uh, SWAT commander. I may have one of my sergeants do that for me so that I can let him see what it's like to be in that position and and broaden his horizons. And we'll do the same thing with the sergeants and the team leaders and uh, really just try to to educate them. We can't have too much education in the SWAT community as far as I'm concerned. So one of the things, uh, Don, that I I know about and I've seen in, in some of the literature and why you folks do so many simulations, same thing with the armed services, really comes from kind of basic learning theory, that you have to be in the same state when you learn something uh, as, this, as the state when you're going to retrieve it. So meaning that you're trying to heighten their level in the learning aspect so that when the real situation happens, they can immediately apply that versus learning it in a calm classroom and then thinking they can apply those skills when it's not calm. Absolutely. We want to put as much pressure on them in training as we can. And our goal is to never face something for the first time on the real mission. We want to face everything we can in training, and that's that's always one of our goals is to, to put as much pressure on them in training so that the real thing is just second nature to them. As I'm looking at some of the star performer qualities that Relly has in his book, uh, Leader's Playbook, uh, we see things like developing others, inspirational leadership, influence, uh, building bonds, and conflict management. I'm sure these uh, are in some way expectations that are set um, by SWAT. But can you can you talk a little bit about what some of those qualities um, might might be for, or what some of those ideas might be that use those qualities in SWAT? So, if I can be more clear, what do you do to help? those SWAT team members become star performers using some of those qualities? Well, we do a lot of, a lot of different 
uh, aspects uh, from their training perspective. You know, we put them in those various scenarios. We look for that self-control. Uh, you mentioned developing others. That's a big issue with us. But I think one of the biggest things we focus on and that I focus on is communication. And I think that tends to get overlooked in the leadership world. In my opinion, you can uh, not be an effective leader without the ability to properly communicate mm-hmm. both with your teammates, your subordinates, and your supervisors. And, you know, we force them to articulate every single thing that they do, and it, it's very critical. Uh, if we can communicate with them, it allows us to get more buy-in from our personnel, helps gain their trust. Uh, it shows that, you know, if I go out and, and can communicate with them, it shows that I'm not afraid to go talk with them. Whereas you see that a lot of times, supervisors really don't want to get out of the office and go talk to their troops. Um, and it cuts down on things such as rumors and those types of things that can be devastating to any team. So, you know, there's a lot of qualities we look for, but that communication is is really a key issue, and I really harp on that a lot within our team. And, you know, when sergeants will come to me and say they're having this problem or that problem, I'll ask them, you know, how much have they communicated with the person? How have they talked to them about it? Right. What have they done to help resolve it? And it, re- it really makes a difference. I think most problems can be avoided if we just communicate with our people uh, more effectively. And so we really start start getting on them about that from day one once they join SWAT. You know, Don, just hearing you say this, and, and you used the word uh, clarifying expectations already two or three times in this conversation, um, which really ties to the communication that you're saying. And, and we like to think about, um, really good leaders give someone a target to focus on, you know, like you would uh, in a firing range. But what's the target? And it sounds like that's the expectations of being clear. And another way of saying that is trying to align the brain so that their brain or what they're focusing on is the same uh, that your brain is focusing on. So some of that alignment process. Yeah, I would agree with you. That's that's very critical, and it's not always easy to do. Uh, especially when you're dealing with these guys that uh, are very driven and very motivated. But once we get the buy-in, which usually happens pretty quick, um, in their their SWAT career at least, uh, once we get that buy-in, then uh, it's a lot easier, and they they become sponges, and they really want to absorb uh, that type of information, and, and they're very good about it. Well, um, I wanted to uh, ask you a question about organizational awareness and one of the star performance qualities uh, that uh, Relly is, is deeply familiar with, and that's understanding the political forces and unspoken rules at work. So if you'll hold that thought and that question, we're going to go to a break, and then we're going to come back and dive back into some of these emotional intelligence star performer qualities that you look for and that you help create uh, on your SWAT team. This is Leadership Development News. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence? 
influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look, these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. i got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with... Lieutenant Don Kessler, commander, is, is in SWAT. And, Don, before uh, the break, we were talking about some of the EI competencies, and two in particular we want to maybe zero in on is this organizational awareness, like Kathy was saying, you know, knowing the situation, knowing what's around, what are the, you know, they have, sounds like they have some guidelines. And then how does that balance with managing themselves? Because if you have someone there who uh, isn't thinking straight, you know, how do those two balance and what do you, what do you really do to, help them learn those skills? Well, organizational awareness is critical to the success of any team, obviously, and uh, it's up to us as supervisors and commanders to teach them and our, our, our people uh, how things work. You know, we, we have a very strict set of guidelines and procedures 
that set the parameters for how we work. But within SWAT, then there is quite a bit of flexibility, and we have to, you know, uh, I don't want to beat the expectations to death, but we have to let them know that we expect them to make decisions, and we will provide them the training to make the right decisions. And uh, there's always going to be scenarios and situations that they've never seen before, uh, even though it's our goal to not have that happen. But that's where the selection process comes into play and their history of making decisions uh, out in patrol or wherever they have been assigned to. If they don't have that self-discipline and that control, uh, we're going to know that before they even get on the team because we're going to go talk to their squad mates and we're going to look at the calls they've responded to and we're going to get that in the interview. You know, that oral board I mentioned is not something that's easy. And we will, if they're going to lose control, we will probably get that out of them in that as well. Um, if they happen to make it on and, and they uh, don't have those attributes, they probably will not remain on the team for very long. Uh, it is an at-will uh, assignment, and people can be removed from SWAT at any time. Uh, so we have some flexibility there. Um, but it's important for us to provide those guidelines and those parameters and teach them how the internal politics work as well as the written politics and and then give them the training to, uh, to, to let them go out and make those decisions. And some teams do it better than others. There's no doubt about it. I've seen that. I get to go around the country uh, teaching and, and uh, advising teams. And you can see a vast array of uh, awareness uh, with regards to how they operate and how they function both within their department and at, at missions themselves. Now, one of the tools that I mentioned that you are an expert on, that you write and publish on, and that you do travel nationwide to talk about is tasers, and that's using the electrical stimulation versus bullets. And that, to me, indicates that there are some behavioral changes or qualities of a SWAT team member that are changing given the role that you have in community. And to me, I know this may be a stretch for some who are listening, but that's optimism. You actually see an opportunity where using a taser may be a better option than using a gun. Oh, absolutely. Uh, not just a taser, but there are a wide variety of less lethal munitions and less lethal tools that law enforcement uses and has used for many years, and SWAT teams in particular. SWAT teams generally have a wider uh, array of uh, tools and options to choose from, but our, our goal is to save lives, and that is our job, and that is our goal. Sometimes in order to save lives, uh, a life may have to be lost or taken, but that is extremely rare. And our goal is to use whatever means we can uh, to save lives, and we would prefer that that be with uh, talk and communication first and then with uh, other less lethal options. And if that doesn't work, obviously we would, would move up the scale. But technology plays a critical role in the SWAT world right now, and uh, we use a wide variety of robots and uh, video equipment and just, just a whole gamut of equipment that allows us to change our tactics and how we operate. And that's a, that's a big thing in the SWAT arena these days and is going to continue to be for some time. So, so along with that, Don, you, you kind of... Um got me thinking just around, is there any technology you use, let's say around the self-management piece, the self-control, you know, do, do your people learn how to relax themselves when they get excited using biofeedback, you know, some of those 
kind of tools because given given uh, just the, the people that that SWAT attracts and then the ones who really become stars in that does seem like this self control piece of being being the center uh, calm in the middle of a storm. What? How do you get? Is there any specific skills you teach to get them there if they're not there if temperament wise? Yeah, we we really focus on that, and and if we have to, we will bring in some outside coaching to assist them. Um, but really, the biggest thing is is training and the scenario based training, and putting them under as much pressure as we can okay. in those training scenarios, so that it's second nature when they go out on the missions. Uh, but I think a big factor in that is having them articulate everything that they do and justify all of their actions, and recognize the importance of the role that they play, not only within SWAT and the agency, but within society. And once they understand that, uh, that seems to be a critical point in their evolution. Uh, but again, you know, most of that is, is weeded out in that selection process. Uh, but we do try to bring in outside instructors and outside coaches on occasion and, and really look at that, and we're focusing on that more on our team now uh, to, again, keep them more well-balanced and, and that is a big issue, especially now that we're getting younger people who are applying to law enforcement, don't necessarily have that much life experience. Mm-hmm. So we really have to stay on top of that as supervisors and uh, and manage that uh, because they're not bringing a lot of life experience with them, so they haven't been put in a lot of situations until we get them. So it is critical, and uh, I don't know that, that it's ever enough training in that area, but uh, we we keep pushing for that and are trying to make that a focus now. One of the things that we have talked about in prior shows, Don, and um, one of the things that that uh, that we try to talk about uh, in most of our shows is um, is judgment. And uh, Noel Tishy and Warren Bennis, who are great fathers of leadership in our world, uh, have a book out called Judgment Calls, and they have a Business Week uh, regular um, syndicated column, both electronically and in print, that talks about how judgment trumps experience. And it sounds to me like what you're describing in the experience level of these young SWAT team members is precisely on target, that it is their ability to use good judgment and examples of prior good judgment, not necessarily the experience the experience that they've had in the role that they're playing, that makes them good SWAT team members. Is that fairly accurate? That is absolutely correct. Uh, judgment will trump experience, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, the more experience you get, the more decisions you've had to make and your judgment generally uh, will get better uh, but and you can make those decisions in a more calm manner because of that experience but uh, you know we'll have very new young SWAT guys uh, who are very good at judgment and decision making and if they're not they're going to make they're not going to make the SWAT team our selection pr- process should weed them out because that's exactly what we're looking for is those who can make good judgment uh, decisions in critical incidents. And if they can't prove that, then they're not going to stay very long at all. Um, and, you know, we try to give them that training, but, but we want that before we even bring them on so that we don't have to focus on that as much uh, because we, we want to focus on other things uh, once they come on SWAT. And the judgment and decision-making should already be there when we get them. So that's why we really emphasize that selection process is to weed them out if they cannot make those decisions and use good judgment. One of, one of the things, Don, that you're saying, and I think is true in, in the organizational world, when we talk about star performers, 
and, and raising someone's emotional intelligence, being a good leader, the best way to do it is to hire folks who are already there. And that's, that sounds like what you're, you're saying with that. Absolutely, and that's why we have a broad variety of people on the SWAT team as well. We've got guys that have been on SWAT for 20 years, and then we have guys who have been on SWAT for two months. So it's up to those senior guys, those senior operators, to mentor and to make these younger folks grow. And that is the biggest focus on our SWAT team is is mentorship. And I will walk up to our senior guys and say, what have you done today to help these guys? You know, do you sit down and eat lunch with them? Or do you eat lunch with your same buddies all the time? Do you not talk to the new guys? Or are you... Are you spending time with them after training, asking them how things went, what questions do they have? Mentorship, without true and effective mentorship, uh, SWAT really isn't going to succeed. And that's probably the biggest focus we have on our team uh, is that mentorship. It is critical to to our success. Uh, Don, I, I just want to make sure that our listeners understand that when I'm around you guys, you call me a guy too. <laughs> so, so there are women on SWAT, and although we keep calling them guys, they're not all men. And I just want to make sure that I have been certainly embraced by uh, the folks that I've met, both uh, in the military and in our police force, that treat me just like I'm one of the guys. I just want to make sure everybody hears that because we're we're using a lot of uh, guy language. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, guys and gals. In fact, some of our uh, best SWAT operators over the years have been female, and um, uh, we one of our best SWAT commanders uh, many years ago was a, a female, and uh, they absolutely can do the job. They have the same criteria, and uh, they they do it very well. Well, thanks. Well, I think what we're going to do is go to a quick break, and then when we come back, I'd like you to talk to our audience a little bit about what you've learned from counterterrorist measures that have been so, um, I guess, in our faces since 9-11 that have helped you create more star performers in the communities that your SWAT team serves. We'll be right back. This is Leadership Development. Bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. 
Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion makes sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science. But it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Doctor with uh, Lieutenant. We should just make him a doctor. I know. I, I really agree. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Don Kester. He sounds like a doctor with all this uh, in-depth information. So, Lieutenant Don Kester, um, tell us a little bit, Don. We were saying before the break, uh, what has SWAT learned from the counterterrorist measures that helped them be a better star performers in their communities? So, what have you learned from that? The terrorist threat has put more on the plate of the SWAT officer, you could say, uh, really because of the expanded threats that are now involved. Uh, personnel must study the emerging global threats uh, more now than in the past. And as a result of that additional training, uh, they've, they've been trained in some non-traditional activities, and it's forced them to be a little more flexible and to learn some new concepts. Uh, although nothing real drastic, but it has expanded their horizons, definitely. I think SWAT personnel now have a better understanding of the threats to society and also the concerns that the public has of those threats. Um, you know, and, and it really has has taken it to a new level with training and equipment, and uh, it's opened the eyes of the SWAT personnel, in my opinion, and really raised their expectations or raised the public's expectations of how a SWAT team will respond and it's up to us to now meet those expectations. Now, Don, you have been working as a commander on one of the United States' largest borders with another country here in Arizona for quite some time. Correct. And I would imagine that some of these counterterrorist measures have been used uh, quite frequently and probably more often than in any other SWAT team across the U.S. 
Uh, we do get involved in quite a bit of uh, uh, activity as it relates to the border, uh, whether it's down on the border or whether it's up in the in the city of Tucson. Uh, you know, we've always got the ongoing smuggling issues. Uh, we are responsible for responding along the southern Arizona border to any WMD or weapons of mass destruction threats, uh, things along those lines. So, uh, and that is one reason why we've really had to expand our training and our our base uh, thinking, uh, so that we're able to provide a, a wider array of solutions to the threats that now are, are uh, facing us, and that we have uh, multiple tactics for dealing with some of those threats. And the federal government has really been involved in that as well and is pushing that with uh, all SWAT teams. But uh, due to our location, uh, it clearly has been at the front of, of our thinking for the last several years now. So I'd say the three top star performer qualities then that a SWAT team uh, member is going to need to take control of uh, in these counterterrorist measures are conscientiousness, meaning taking personal responsibility and make sure tasks are really completed to order, adaptability, comfortable with ambiguities and adapts to new challenges, and ultimately being trustworthy, open, openly admitting faults or mistakes and, and confronting unethical behavior because that's the only way to get the conscientiousness instilled in the, in the, uh, the work that they're doing. Would you agree? Oh, you're exactly right, Kathy. That's a critical, all three of those are critical areas, as, as well as many others. But on a SWAT team, if you do not admit your mistakes, you're not going to survive very long. Uh, every mission, every, every training session, everything at that training session for eight or ten hours, it all gets debriefed in front of the entire team, and that goes for the commander down to the newest guy. And if you made a mistake, you're going to get called on it, and it's easier and better, and you're going to learn more if you just bring it up out front and you you say what you did, why you did it, and what you learned from it. Uh, if the SWAT operator quickly learns that if they uh, are going to fight that and not be comfortable with that, they're not going to succeed. So uh, very critical to their success. And and I think over and over you're talking about training and, and, and getting things habituated. And I think the other part, going back to some of the self-control, uh, we know from some of our other interviews, the more that... Um, Someone can name what's going on, you know, for them, you know, name the situation, the less they're going to be aroused by it. So it's a different part of the brain, you know, the prefrontal cortex of naming and bringing logic. And I hear you saying that over and over, bringing logic and why did you do this and what's your expectation and what do you expect from here does seem to mediate the emotional piece. Well, absolutely. And we look at it not only from the emotional piece, but everything they do, they're going to have to be up in a courtroom testifying Uh to. And so we have to protect them and protect the SWAT team and the agency while at the same time making sure everything that we do is legal and ethical and moral. And uh, so there's a wide variety of reasons why we really focus on that issue, and they're all interrelated in my opinion. You know, Don, I always want to ask you one other question, Catherine, if that's all right. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, as far as this idea of intuition, gut responses, uh, an organization I work with, I guess someone in there had read a book by Colin Powell that's saying when you have to make these quick decisions, to know if you're about 70% there. You know, you're not going to have all the information, all the data, but how do, how do you, you know, what kind of guidance do you give your people about in that decision, given there's always more research, more data they can have? How do they deal with that? Is that 70% a number you use, or if not, is there something different to kind of making that quick decision? Yeah, I think that 70% is very accurate, and I'm somewhat familiar with that, that book. 
um, and his writings, uh, we will never have all of the information, especially at a real mission. And we tell our people that. They expect that. And quite frankly, it's, it's real simple. They just need to do the right thing and uh, do what they think is the best uh, solution to resolve the situation. And um, we allow them to do that, and we support them when they do that. And uh, they respond to that very well. Again, if you make those expectations uh, very clear, you train them, and you give them that flexibility within those parameters, they, in my opinion, will do what you ask them, and they will make you very proud. Uh, but they have to just do, do what's right. And as long as they do that, I'm not going to fault them. Well, I cannot tell you um, how valuable and insightful this conversation has been. Finding the right words is a struggle for me because having seen you guys in action and um, having just, uh, you know, kind of been a part of the uh, the police academy, I can really understand the importance of these star performer and emotional intelligence qualities and all that you do. And, and you really exemplify them, Don, as somebody who has the um, just the leadership character that's necessary to take people into these kinds of community issues. And I want to thank you for being with us. Well, thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's uh, been fun and educational. Well, thanks, Don. Um, I think we may have time for maybe just just one more question before we uh, leave here, and um, I'm just looking through our list here. What kind of changes have you seen uh, with some of the behavioral profiles, you know, coming uh, from the past? You've been in with SWAT for a while, and then um, now, are there some are some of these traits, some of these companies we're talking about, more apparent now that that's needed than it was 10, 15 years ago? I don't really see the necessary qualities or characteristics of the SWAT operator changing. Mm-hmm. I think those are going to remain pretty consistent. Uh, I do see a greater challenge in developing those particular qualities due to that youth that we discussed mm-hmm. earlier. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's necessarily going to change. You know, SWAT personnel, the minute they're brought onto the team, they are taught that things have changed for them, whether they want it or not. Just being a part of SWAT, they are now in a leadership position and it is inherent. It comes with the job, and it's our responsibility to make them lead others down that right path and not the wrong path, and they have to understand that the expectations of them are higher. They're looked upon differently by those in law enforcement and outside of law enforcement. Uh, All eyes are now on them, and uh, there's always somebody looking to to see what they're going to do, whether it's good or bad, whether they make a mistake or not. So I I see the SWAT operators maturing more quickly than they probably would otherwise if they weren't on SWAT. Right. Um, but they understand the seriousness of their assignments and the impact of their decisions, um, and they they learn how those decisions affect uh, SWAT and really all SWAT teams around the country as well. And it's interesting because that first year they don't say a whole lot when they're on the team, but shortly after that they start to see themselves as leaders and they view themselves as leaders and once that starts happening, then you can see the change in that person, both pro- uh, professionally and personally. Uh, so I think it all boils back down to the same characteristics and qualities. Uh, it's just up to us to draw those characteristics and qualities out of them and to put them in positions where they can demonstrate those leadership capabilities. 
Well, you are outstanding, and I just want to remind our audience that if you'd like to reach Dr. Relly Nadler, you can do so at www.truenorthleadership.com for free emotional intelligence assessments, books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. And you can always reach me at www.h2cleadership.com and also at kathygreenbergphd.com. So look forward to seeing you, hearing you, hearing from you, and uh, hopefully uh, learning more about what you'd like to hear here on Leadership Development. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.